You're going to love this. Just love it. Maybe. Maybe. Certainly isn't. Not this week. But I am still not scared. Clowns to the left, jokers to the right, indeed. Especially this week. This is your broadcast. Welcome to it on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app on your smart devices, the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn and Netroots Radio, and... Liberal Justice Radio. We are live today from Los Angeles. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, here with another live broadcast. Oh, from bradblog.com. Did I mention that? You can tweet me throughout the hour at the Bradblog. On the Twitters, and otherwise, you can give us a call at 818-985-5735. We're going to talk Syria this hour, and I want to hear from you. The Senate Foreign Relations Committee has just passed a resolution authorizing the use of military force against Syria. The resolution modified from what the White House had requested to require, quote, no boots on the ground and to effectively call for regime change. This is the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. This is not the full Senate. This is not the House. They're, they're not even back in session yet, I don't think. Uh, but the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, this resolution will go to the full Senate next week. It was passed today out of the committee on a 10 to 7 vote. Uh, let's see. One senator, Ed Markey, voted present. He didn't vote yes or no. He said, a no vote would have indicated I had sufficient information on which to base the decision, which I did not, said Senator Ed Markey. Uh, He said he needs to review all of the relevant classified materials relating to this matter before I make a decision. Oh, really? That's refreshing. And you mean to say they've been debating this in the uh, Senate Foreign, uh, Foreign Relations Committee and they haven't gotten to see all of the classified information that us mere mortals and apparently the folks on that committee aren't allowed to see either? Oh, that's swell. Anyway, um, I want your thoughts on this today. I'm glad there's a debate in Congress. I want your thoughts. I'm tired of all the so-called experts. So let's just say for now that I'm open to any and all positions at this point. I'd love you to sell me on yours. Make your case to me, to us, over your public airwaves today. Uh, Warning, I may ask you some tough questions in return, but we'll find out. Give us a call, 818-985-5735. Before we go to those calls, uh, I want to take just a few minutes here with uh, David Swanson, the author of several books. He's an activist and anti-war, an ardent anti-war author. 
among his several books, War is a Lie and When the World Outlawed War, which you can read about and purchase at his blog, WarIsACrime.org or DavidSwanson.org. Hey, David, welcome back, sir, to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, good to hear from you. I know you're in a rush. I know you're, uh, you've are you got a forum tonight, the Charlottesville Forum on Preventing a U.S. Attack on Syria. So I'm going to be uh, quick with you. I just want to get in a few uh, a few quick questions for you here. Uh, number one, yesterday, I think it was, or maybe the day before, you tweeted, interview screeners want me to argue that evidence isn't yet sufficient for bombing and they want you to refrain from stating that bombing is wrong regardless uh before we get into the details and your position uh do you want to mention who those interview screeners are that want you to make a specific argument uh well more than one uh not all of them american one of them the canadian broadcast corporation, uh, but uh, I mean, it seems to be pretty universal uh, that these shows are looking for guests who will either say, the evidence is sufficient, we need to uh, go to war and attack Syria, uh, or, I don't know, the evidence isn't sufficient yet, I'm not convinced of this crime yet, I'm judge, jury, and executioner, uh, and when I have enough evidence, then I'll decide if we should have uh, a missile attack on Syria, Uh, which of course is in is insane because the you know that the chemical weapons convention that they're trying to uphold says that violations should be prosecuted in international criminal court doesn't say a single word about bombing a country in violation of at least two major other treaties uh, to uphold international norms, especially when the, the, the rest of the nations in the world are against you. Uh, and it just just uh, it frames the debate falsely. Well, that's um, what that's because as most people. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, that's uh, what I wanted to ask you, uh, because, you know, I I appreciate that you do, I I assume, actually, that you do recognize the Geneva Convention, 1925, against chemical weapons, the uh, Chemical Weapons Convention, uh, signed on by, I don't know how many, 180-something states, I think, uh, not by Syria. But I I, I presume you recognize and appreciate those treaties, but what is not uh, being discussed uh, that I'm not hearing in the media is, what are the alternatives uh, to bombing. So uh, do you recognize those treaties? Do you think they should be enforced somehow? And if so, how, what is the proper way to move forward if it is not uh, military action in, in your mind, David Swanson? Well, the Kellogg-Briand Pact, which bans military action, is also a treaty to which the United States is party. The U.N. Charter, which bans military action unless you get a U.N. authorization or it's defensive, neither one of which is even being pretended or attempted in this case, uh, is also a treaty. Uh, But those treaties don't conflict with the Geneva Conventions or the Chemical Weapons Convention. There's no conflict whatsoever. The Chemical Weapons Convention doesn't say this should be enforced by some random vigilante bombing people. It says this should be that violations should be taken to international criminal courts and investigated and prosecuted. Uh, And if the United States wanted that to happen, the United States could stop uh, supporting one side of the war through, through the CIA, could stop arming nations and supporting nations that are funding and fueling this war could pressure Saudi Arabia and Turkey and the Arab states on the one hand and Russia and Iran on the other hand to stop arming both sides, stop providing the ammunition, demand a ceasefire, bring these parties to Geneva for a peace conference, which is what 
President Obama's draft resolution says is the only thing that would do any good to resolve the war. The, the draft resolution, before the Senate got its hands on it, said that, that the missile strikes would do absolutely nothing to resolve the war. They would just send a message. And what is that message? <laughs> you know, especially when uh, evidence shows, as it's more than likely to do, that both sides have used chemical weapons here in Syria. Then do you bomb both of them? I mean, the only possible message is that the United States government has gone insane. Uh, I mean, this is the message that's going to be sent. Uh, and you, you don't, you don't blow people up. You don't escalate a war. You don't aggravate a refugee crisis. You don't drive human humanitarian aid workers, including U.S. workers, out of Syria uh, in order to send a humanitarian message. David, uh, it's just. Crazy. David, is there any situation, let's say, you know, they keep talking about the U.N. and the fact that the U.N. Security Council is going to be blocked by Russia, supposedly. Uh, I haven't heard much talk about going to The Hague, as you suggest, filing war crimes uh, charges. Uh, if those don't work, or is there any other situation under which you, David Swanson, would support military action against Assad, like a direct attack on a U.S. ally? Would that be enough? Would uh, chemical weapons used to kill uh, tens of thousands of people instead of uh, what we're told is is about a thousand or so, uh, a direct hit against the U.S. Is there any situation in which you would support military action against uh, uh, Syria and Assad? No, of course not. And, and if when the United States killed 1.4 million people in Iraq and used white phosphorus and new kinds of napalm and, and used depleted uranium and used cluster bombs and, and destroyed this country, which is what the, the Christians, above all in Syria, are pointing to now, saying, please don't help us with your missiles, uh, it, would it have helped things for somebody to drop missiles on Washington, D.C.? What good would that have done the world? What positive message or law enforcement would that have sent, other than some vigilante wanted to take over the world uh, and punish the United States for, no doubt, ulterior motives. Uh, I mean, this is not how you solve things. We have to outgrow this idea that you're going to use war to get rid of war. Uh, if, if, if the United States were invaded by Canada, we could not cooperate with that occupation. The Canadians could refuse to take part in it. People from around the world could come as human shields. The, the governments of the world could, could sanction and prosecute and, uh, and punish the Canadian government nonviolently. We have all this array of tools. The idea that, you know, dropping bombs on Ontario would fix that problem, I mean, it's, it's just so backwards, uh, and yet it's how, you know, too many people in Washington think. It's not how the American public thinks, not about this one, and a lot of that may be crazy partisanship, uh, but, you know, you can't blame the U.S. public for this one. We are clearly against it. We are, as of now, we'll see how things go as they change. Uh, David Swanson, uh, before I let you go, I know you've got, uh, well, first I want to thank you for your voice of clarity on on, uh, on these matters, your consistent voice of clarity. But also, uh, you quoted a, uh, a piece from a, a U.S. government humanitarian aid worker, and I think it's, it's a really important case because it's the humanitarian case against going to war. Uh, it ran at warisacrime.org. We're running it at the top. Of Bradblog.com uh, today, uh, a voice uh, someone who I assume wanted to stay anonymous, uh, correct? Uh, in making this case, uh, what, why did they want to uh, not give their name to you when making this case, David? 
Yeah, he's he's a great guy, and I've known him for years, and he's not ordinarily shy of publicity, but, he, you know, it, it, there is a climate of McCarthyism. There is an insider threat program where the Obama administration requires that government employees snitch on each other if they've been speaking out of line. And for all I know, it counts as speaking out of line to advocate against missile strikes into Syria when your job is working with aid programs, including American governmental-funded aid programs that actually help people rather than bombing them, uh, because those are going to be jeopardized, uh, as well as the war escalated and both sides more seriously tempted to use every weapon in their arsenal uh, if this if this happens. Uh, and, you know, assume Assad really did, really was nuts enough to use chemical weapons 10 miles away from the U.N. inspectors on the day they arrived. Well, then what, what kind of message are you going to send to somebody who's clearly insane? You're, you're going to provoke more use of chemical weapons. Uh, and, and so there, there's just no upside to this. And indeed, this, uh, and, and this aid worker... Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's, it's good to hear that from somebody in the U.S. government who actually means well after watching these hearings uh, of these clowns in, in the Senate and the House uh, who, you know, clearly don't give a damn about human life. Well, it's a it's a point that we're not hearing. And, and you know, and this aid worker points out that the U.S. is spending is doing a great job, frankly, spending uh, a billion dollars or so right now to to aid these millions of refugees. Many of them are, are in uh, rebel held areas as well as uh uh, regime, regime held areas, and uh, he's quite worried what will happen if, when the bombing starts, uh, you know, to their ability to look after these uh, these refugees. He, as I say, makes a humanitarian case to not go to war. Check that out at warisacrime.org or at bradblog.com. Uh, David, I know you got to get onto your forum, Charlottesville Forum on Preventing a U.S. Attack on Syria. Uh, appreciate your taking. Uh, some time with me, and I, I suspect we're going to be talking uh, much more in the weeks ahead, my friend. Anytime. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, brother. David Swanson from warisacrime.org or davidswanson.org. Uh, his book, War is a Lie and When the World Outlawed War. Uh, thank you, David. Okay, we're going to get on to your calls in a, a moment here, but I want to uh, give you a few of my thoughts on this. Uh, first, kudos, kudos, yes, to President Obama for seeking congressional authority before an attack on Syria. It's nice to see that he remembered or was forced to remember, however it happened, his statement as a 2008 presidential candidate when he said, quote, the president does not have the power under the Constitution to unilaterally authorize a military attack in a situation that does not involve stopping an actual or imminent threat. So kudos to him for taking it to Congress. Kudos taken away from President Obama when, during his remarks over the weekend, uh, he said this. Nope, that's not what he said. Well, actually, he kind of did say that. Uh, clip number one there, Alex. Uh, sorry about that. This is what he, what President Obama said. He might have saying that, but not on purpose. Clip number one, Alex. Do we got that there? Well, I believe there we I are. have the authority to carry out this military <laughs> action without specific congressional authorization. I know that the country will be stronger 
if we take this course and our actions will be even more effective. Okay. So what he actually said was, while I believe I have the authority to carry out this military action without specific congressional authorization. Really, Mr. President, what is that authority? I haven't heard him lay it out. I haven't heard uh, uh, John Kerry lay it out. It's sort of just presumed that because uh, presidents have been doing this now for a few decades, they don't need to go to Congress. They can do anything they damn please. No. They can't. Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe it needs to be a declaration of war. I know many people do in, in the Constitution, but authorization of some sort. So where the hell he gets this uh, legal authority, uh, it, it, anybody's guess. Apparently no one wants to uh, talk about it. No one wants to lay out that legal authority. <sighs> So, a resolution to attack Syria but not put boots on the ground was approved today by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. In Congress, overall, the verdict is uh, a lot more mixed. Democrat Nancy Pelosi and Republican Speaker John Boehner are for military action. On the other hand, Republican Rand Paul and Democrat Alan Grayson are against military action. Even John McCain, by the way, who never saw, saw a war that he didn't want to launch came out against the resolution uh, that was debated today momentarily, but that was uh, just so that he could uh, make sure that it doesn't give the president enough power. Well, because he was upset it didn't give the president enough power to wage a large enough war. Uh, so we can probably ignore John McCain again. But he did get his way. Uh, he was able to change the language so that uh, it, it will require the president essentially uh, to work towards regime change, to, quote, uh, change the momentum in favor of the rebels. So um, there's one, uh, well, there's a lot of very important things here, even as uh, the American people seem to be against going to war. Uh, oddly enough, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee was in favor of it. But Democrats, Republicans and independents among the people at this time anyway, all seem to be against it. So no matter how this ends up playing out, I think that reestablishing the idea that Congress, as the theoretical representatives of the American people, need to play their constitutional role in American uh, military actions, I think that's a good thing here. And uh, the fact that they need to offer authorization before such an attack, short of a national emergency, this could be a crucial turning point. Really, in the way this country has waged war for decades, no matter how this plays out, that seems to me to be a very good thing. Of course, if Congress ultimately decides against a military strike and the president does it anyway, as he believes he's authorized to do, it'll be a very bad precedent reestablishing the unitary executive theory that uh, the president gets to do anything he wants. <sighs> Evidence. What about the evidence supporting the fact that it was Bashar al-Assad or someone in the Syrian regime who launched the recent horrific uh, chemical uh, weapons attack that clearly took place in a Damascus suburb is still largely a classified secret. And that's why uh, Senator Markey today voted present, because even he so far has not been allowed to see all the classified evidence. So we're being asked to trust them again. But even if we do... Even if we do trust them, even if we do take the evidence we've been allowed to see, the bits and pieces of it, of a massive attack by Assad at face value, then what? Is it worth going to war over? Um, 
Or do we need uh, to say no? Do we need to, uh, you know, say that chemical weapons are off the table? It's one thing to kill apparently tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people with conventional weapons, but not so much with chemical weapons. At that point, uh, we draw the line. I don't know. Your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, Tony in Long Beach. Uh, hey, Tony, welcome to the broadcast. Yes, hello. This is Tony Taylor from Long Beach. I'll make it as cogent as possible. Thank you, so sir. Other calls can get on. Uh, addressing point, important issues historical. I'll take no sides of this issue, but just a historical view. I met Philip Agee, an ex CIA agent in Hamburg years ago, and he told me in the early 90s. Wait, wait, you met who? Philip Agee, the very famous okay. CIA agent. Okay. Philip Agee, yep. very famous. Yeah. I met him in Hamburg. We had lunch together, and he told me in 1991, 92, that he had documents he showed me that the whole Middle East is to be a free market, neoliberal, Milton Friedman zone. Okay? <laughs> uh, the president of, of, of um, Syria is moving, dragging his feet slowly on privatization and giving deferential treatment to other European corporations. That's the main reason why the U.S. wants to attack and destabilize the central government and make it a free Okay, Tony, then, uh, but, uh, Tony, uh, Assad, uh, this war has been underway for two years. Why haven't, uh, if what you're, the case you're making is true, why hasn't the U.S. Uh, made a move to attack uh, to get into this war uh, years ago? Because this very same reason AG also shared with me. Until they can find a malleable client state, they will keep him in power. They just want to weaken him until they find someone who will do his dirty work. So they have they found Tony? Have they found a malleable uh, client uh, state then? A, no, uh, a puppet? No, not 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 yet. But they will. They and yet, will. then they then, then they will smash him. Okay. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate your call. Uh, thanks for those thoughts. Uh, let me go to uh, James in uh, Van Nuys. Welcome to the broadcast, James. What's your thoughts on this? Oh, James. We lost James. Uh, 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Ward in, uh, in downtown Los Angeles. Hey, Ward, welcome to the broadcast. And uh, I've got go. two things I'm interested in your comments on. Okay. Number one, I was so glad to hear that since our government wants to take international leadership, that they have uh, called for the dismantling of uh, the world's largest stockpile of chemical and biological weapons. And I'm also so glad that our Congress <laughs> has told the president that he's going to uh, stop the production of chemical and biological weapons and stop their export and backcharge the companies that make those for the costs of whatever this uh, but endeavor he, uh, costs. But he hasn't done any of that, Ward. Well, that's why I'm talking to Brad. Okay. Brad can comment. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Ward. Uh, obviously, I think that uh, he was being, uh, there we go, uh, sarcastic there, uh, in intimating that we have the world's largest stockpile of chemical weapons. I don't know if that's true or not. 
But there you go. That's Ward. 818-985-5735. Your turn. Not the pundit's turn. Not the expert's turn. Your turn. We the people on KPFK. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, by the way, should we simply trust the administration's uh, claims that this will be nothing more than a limited, narrow attack? Why should we? How do they even know that that will be the case? When when making the case for attacking Syria last week, Secretary of uh, Secretary of State John Kerry said during uh, he said this during his remark, which I I, I thought was interesting and uh, and somewhat troubling, and very few people seem to have noticed. Uh, let's Alex uh, clip number two. This matters also beyond the limits of Syria's borders. It is about whether Iran which itself has been a victim of chemical weapons attacks, will now feel emboldened in the absence of action to obtain nuclear weapons. It is about Hezbollah and North Korea and every other terrorist group or dictator that might ever again contemplate the use of weapons of mass destruction. Will they remember that the Assad regime was stopped from those weapons, current or future use? Or will they remember that the world stood aside and created impunity? Will they remember that the Assad regime was stopped from using those we- from those weapons current or future use? Stopped? How do they plan to do that with a limited and narrow strike? That was Secretary of State John Kerry uh, speaking uh, late last week before. President Obama decided to send this uh, to kick this over to Congress, uh, stopping the use of those weapons, current and future use, does not sound like a limited, narrow attack to me. But that's just to my ears. Let's go to uh, the uh, the phones. 818-985-5735. David in Whittier. Welcome, sir, to the broadcast. How you doing? I'm OK. What's up? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, you know, you're talking about these weapons of mass destruction and stuff like that. When Bush was in office and uh, we went to fight Iraq, you know, we used, uh, depleted uranium. We 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 shot up uh, we shot up Iran with all these with all these weapons that our our own army didn't even know that we were using. And uh, you know, when when they came back. Our own military is coming back with cancer, coming back with uh, having babies, babies being deformed. We should be ashamed of ourselves, you know what I mean? And and we want to go and push buttons in other countries and tell people what they can and can't do. So, David, you're saying that other uh, countries are not allowed to do uh, war crimes, uh, but somehow we are, and uh, the U.S. seems to be fine with that. It, it's, it's, just, it's just appalling when... when, when 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 nobody gets to check us for for, for us doing more crimes. Yeah, you know but do, I mean? okay, yeah, I hear you, David. But does that make it right for them to do it? No, it doesn't make it right for nobody to do it. But you know, man, this country's so backwards right now. <laughs> this country's, you know, we, we just need to be fish in this country. We we just need to concentrate on this country. Thanks, David. I appreciate your thoughts. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Let's go to Jack in Eagle Rock. Hey, Jack. Welcome to the broadcast. What do you think? Hey, thanks. I, I had a question about what specifically gave the president uh, the right to wage war without Congress's mm-hmm. uh, say so, and when. 
was that actually put into place? Well, see, this is the problem, and this is what I've been trying to find out uh, for the past week or two, uh, actually going back to August 21 when they were talking about taking action here. You know, I looked back at the Geneva Conventions of 1925. I looked at the uh, the Chemical Weapons Convention. Uh, you know, we, we are a party to both of those. Syria is a party to the uh, Geneva Convention, uh, but not the Chemical Weapons Convention uh, that was uh, ratified, I think, in the, I want to say, 70s or 80s. But in any case, uh, there seems to be uh, no clear uh, information about the penalty. If you violate that, at least not, uh, you know, there's no mandate for going and bombing. So you can't use that currently, even though the U.S. seems to be trying to do that. You can't say, well, they violated this uh, treaty, therefore we get to bomb them. So what can you use? Well, there's the Constitution, which uh, the Congress can declare war over any damn thing they want, I suppose, if they do it, if they declare war. Then there's the, uh, which they haven't done yet, obviously. Then there's the War Powers Resolution of 1973, which says that a president can go out uh, if he or she wants to and and use the military so long as the president comes back within, I think it's 48 hours, and explains what the national emergency was that required this use of the, uh, uh, the military. I don't have the language right at my fingertips, but it must be a national emergency against the U.S. Uh, or our interests or our allies. Uh, we don't seem to have that situation here. Uh, so it, to me, is very unclear what the president means when he says he has the authority to attack without the approval of Congress. Now, they do it a lot. They've done it in, uh, you know, in the 90s in, in Kosovo. Uh, Reagan went into Grenada. Um, I think Libya uh, was also done in that way. In many of those cases, they came back as per the war powers uh, resolution and made the case. But in other cases, uh, they didn't. They just ignored it. And they said, I'm the president. I have the commander in chief power of the U.S. Constitution, and as Commander-in-Chief, I get to command the military to do any damn thing we want. I mean, that seems to be the only legal authority is this weak uh, notion, frankly, that uh, the the Constitution gives the president the right as Commander-in-Chief to do anything he wants. And uh, I think that's pretty weak myself, Jack. That's incredible. Can I ask one more question? Sure, real quick. What uh, what does it say that McCain is playing poker during these hearings? He already knows the outcome. <laughs> well, he he actually literally was playing poker on his iPhone. That's why they're saying oh, he's he's playing poker. Why was he doing I it? Yeah, because he's John McCain. And he's a jerk and he doesn't care. That's that's well, that my seems opinion. Like they're serious. It's so serious. You should be paying full attention. And so, uh, if you don't, uh, if you know the outcome, I guess you can rest easy and play poker. Uh, apparently so. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd how. Uh, the establishment, the politicians, uh, think this is a done deal and this is going to be approved by Congress, and, and we'll see. Maybe they're right. I don't think the people are with them yet, though. I appreciate the call, Jack. Uh, thanks for checking in. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. We're going to uh, take a quick break here uh, momentarily, uh, come back with uh, some very quick uh, news, some good news, uh, I should add, about the Texas uh, photo ID bill, uh, some troubling news about a bill out here in California to change our voting systems. And then we'll go back to your calls at 818 985 
888-900-5735. Oh, and Desi Doyen will be joining us a little bit later, as always, with the Green News Report. Before we go to a break, uh, this thought from David Atkins at Hullabaloo uh, late last week. David wrote, Intervention in this situation is somewhat perplexing. After watching tens of thousands of Syrians die in a brutal civil war, The U.S. seems determined to use bombs on a rogue faction of an oppressive regime based on murky intelligence in order not to alter the course of the civil war, but to defend the narrow principle that it's okay to kill people with bombs, but not with poisonous gas. That doesn't sound like a great idea, writes David Atkins, adding, Either it's worth taking a side in the Syrian civil war, or it isn't. Either it's worth the blood and treasure to end the conflict and hold the war criminals to account, or it isn't. Bombing a country to prove a point about observing internationally sanctioned methods of killing seems unjustifiable. If the United States is less intent on saving lives in Syria than on proving to the United Nations how much we care about observing international war crimes, we would do better to begin by delivering Dick Cheney to The Hague instead. There we go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back with more of your calls. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast on KPFK. Next time on L.A. Theatre Works, personal crises abound at a small school in England. I can't go around like this. I am meant to be teaching. People will think I'm some sort of my first day of my new job. Quartermain's Terms by Simon Gray. Next time on L.A. Theatre Works. Thursday evenings at 7 on Southern California Pacifica Radio, KPFK. Come, you masters of war. Here that build the big guns. Here that build the death planes. Here that build all the bombs. Here that hide behind walls. Here that hide behind discs. I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks. Yeah, welcome back to the Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Live this afternoon out of Los Angeles. Glad you could join us. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, Should we be uh, going to war against Syria or not? Love to hear from you. Uh, Back to your phone calls in a moment, but a couple of uh, quick election-related voting uh, items I want to get in here. I'm going to point you to bradblog.com. We've got a lengthy, a detailed story from Ernest A. Canning and uh, and myself concerning the Texas Republicans polling place photo ID law. 
Here's the good news. They, well, the bad news, they put it in place right after the uh, Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act earlier this summer. The good news, that law that the Republicans, the desperate Republicans are putting in to try uh, to fight the demographics that are working against them as uh, Hispanics and African-Americans are, are becoming a majority in that state. That law that they put in place to try to keep them from voting, that law is doomed. That is currently, uh, there's a lawsuit by the Department of Justice uh, and uh, a couple of other folks as well uh, challenging that law, uh, that it is discriminatory, that it is in violation of the Voting Rights Act Section 2, which is still in place, as well as in violation of the Constitution. And here is apparently what the Attorney General of Texas, uh, Greg Abbott, doesn't realize. The facts of this case have already been decided. They were decided uh, last year, uh, by and large, uh, by a three-judge panel in a federal court when that same law was being challenged under the Voting Rights Act, uh, Section 5. Since the Supreme Court has gutted Section 5, uh, they've got to now go back to court uh, to sue uh, for a different reason. But the main facts of the case have already been determined, and they are already working against Texas. This law is, in fact, purposely discriminatory, not in my opinion, but in the opinion of the three-judge panel who has already taken a look at this law. So that law is in trouble Go to bradblog.com and find out why. Find out the details on that. That's some good news, uh, and, and we'll see if Ernie has it right, but he makes a hell of a persuasive case. Um, let's see. Out here in California, oh, this terrible law, SB 360, was presented today on the California Assembly floor by the Speaker himself. There was no debate. It passed 52 to 21. What does SB 360 do? It does away with all federal testing of voting systems out here in California. Now, the sponsor of this bill, Alex Padilla, uh, is claiming that this is about uh, giving uh, Los Angeles the ability to create their own non-proprietary voting system. That's not what this is about. In truth, this is about ending federal testing for all voting systems out here in California to allow the Secretary of State to approve any voting voting system they want. And by the way, that bill's uh, author, California Senator Alex Padilla, is running for Secretary of State. If this bill passes, it will give the Secretary of State the right to approve any voting system he or she wants, uh, by the way, without any testing at all if that's what the Secretary of State wants. And uh, here in Los Angeles, we interviewed uh, Dean Logan, the registrar, uh, a couple of months ago about the new system that he's developing out here that will be a 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system here in Los Angeles, the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation. All of that is being made possible thanks to SB 360 in the California uh, legislature. I would urge you to call them uh, if you're concerned about this and urge them to vote against SB 360 uh, in that. But, of course, only if you think more testing of electronic voting systems is good rather than less. All right, back to the phones, 818-985-5735. Let's go to Anna in L.A. Hey, Anna, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. 
I like your show, and I'm glad I have a chance to talk. Thank I'm you. not an American, but I, I was listening to the first speaker who was talking, uh, uh, Swanson. David Swanson, uh, I, yes. Yes. Uh, I like his talk, but he said that it's not U.S. government, uh, it's not uh, American people, but uh, U.S. government. But what I learned from American history, this is government by the people and for the people. And Obama, when he was talking about Syria, going Syria for war, he said, this is government for the people and by the people. Where are the people? When they are going to carry responsibility? Uh Good point, Anna. And just to be clear, this is a government of the people and by the people and for the people in theory. The government has currently been uh, taken over by uh, corporate interests and dark money and uh, the idea of whether our representatives are actually fighting for us is what's really at debate here. And so in order for this to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, the people need to step up, raise hell, make noise, contact their uh, members of Congress. And if those members of Congress don't you know, act uh, as per their wishes, throw them out. That's how democracy works. Doesn't mean we, the people, get everything uh, that each of us want every time. But that's the theory. But it's a fight, and we have to fight like hell for it. And I think a lot of people in this country don't, uh, you know, sort of take this government for granted and don't realize that they have to raise hell and make noise. Like I was talking about on that bill, SB 360 out here in California. Yeah. You got to call and raise hell and make noise. So yeah. d- does that uh, make sense, Anna? Yes, makes sense. But uh, it's stay rhetoric long years. And uh, not only Americans are suffering because of this kind of state, uh, the foreigners also. Yeah. I was a student, and uh, the Iraqi war actually impressed on my life, too. I am Christian. I am nothing to do with war, but they are listening to my phone. They are harassing me, and I don't know. Uh, people have to stand, and uh, this is only rhetoric for the people, of the people, by the people. Obama have to understand rhetoric don't work nowadays. Uh, you know? Okay. Thanks, okay. Anna. I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your call. Thanks for making noise. Let me go to Sam in uh, Northridge. Where am I here? Hey, Sam, welcome to the broadcast. Brad, for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, uh, I have two points. I'm a, first of all, I'm a Syrian American. I really appreciate your concern and your show. Uh, there is two points that uh, not just the American media, but the world media has, has neglected to show. There is 23 million people inside of Syria with almost the same amount of people abroad, immigrants, and so forth. The majority of our people believe that Bashar al-Assad would never do such thing. Uh, and also the majority of the people have been asking the world community to intervene. Terrorist groups, uh, fanatics such as al-Qaeda and Jabhat al-Nusra has been killing our people for the, the past two and a half years. Well, Sam, Sam let me ask you this. Uh, did you see those videos of the, uh, of the chemical attack? I saw these videos. My heart goes out to these children and the, and the families that happened. So let me just so let me just run through it. Wait, let me let me just hit you with a question or two here. So you saw the videos, and you you believe in fact that those videos represent a, a terrible chemical weapons attack by someone, right? By someone, but we 
like I said, like I said, the majority of the Syrian people know this president, and they know that he would not do such thing. And and the other thing is, and wait, wait, wait hang on a second, Sam. Wait, 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 Sam. What makes you think he would not do something like this? Do you have evidence that it was not him uh, or someone in the regime who did this attack? That in fact, uh, you're. you're I guess what you're suggesting is this this attack was done by the rebels, not by the Syrian regime. Is that the case you're making? The rebels have been caught trying to, to use chemical weapons three times before this. How come all of a sudden? And then again, I, I raise the question. He's not an idiot to use chemical weapons where, when the inspectors are right there in Damascus. It, it is it is strange. Well, it is strange that he did that. But Sam, why didn't he sign on to the uh, chemical weapons convention? Why have uh, I think it's about 180 uh, nations have signed on. Only six have not. Uh, one of them is Syria, the chemical weapons uh, convention. Why uh, is Syria not a party to that treaty? That I don't have an answer for. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm a humanitarian, and mm-hmm. I know my people, and I know this president, and from from all the family and friends and, and relatives throughout the country that they tell us how the country has been progressing the past 10 years. Okay. Thanks, Sam. I do appreciate your thoughts here uh, uh, very much. I, I really do. Uh, let me go to uh, Ron in uh, Redlands. Uh, hey, Ron, thanks for holding on. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Thanks a lot. Listen, I'm going to be uh, as uh, succinct as I can. Thank I got you. a comment and a question, and the comment is this. Brad, you're a smart guy. And in America, you follow the money. There's a reason why our defense budget is uh, ten to, uh, bigger than that of the next ten nations. There's a reason why we're constantly dropping bombs on people. And that, uh, that greed is going to be our Waterloo as a nation. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Now the question. The question is this. You know, I'm about 50 years old, Brad, and I have watched these uh, our nation drop bombs on one nation after another almost my entire life from administration to administration. And it seems as though it always happens when there is something else afoot domestically. Either the president's in trouble politically or something. And I I specifically speak of recently, if you'll notice, for the last three or four weeks, our headlines have been full of the various uh, intelligence breaches and leaks and invasions on private, just one after the other. We had Chelsea Manning, we had Julian Assange, Scott Snowden, and all of a sudden... Nobody's talking about it anymore. Now, am I just perpetually cynical, Brad, or am I on something? Well, both may be true, Ron. You may be perpetually cynical. You may be on to something. You know, I don't know. But to suggest that either Assad or the rebels or the U.S. themselves, who would be behind this August 21 attack under this theory of yours, Ron? I, You know, and I haven't... I haven't uh, really explored it that, that okay. far. I, I know that, it, you know, let me say this to you, Brad. Yeah. It looks like something tragic happens there, and it apparently involves uh, the chemicals, but we, we, we are a nation with absolutely no credibility in the world. I well, mean, that it is what it is. Well, you listen, that's uh, difficult to argue that we have any credibility. On the other hand, before we start uh, slinging around, uh, you know, theories that somehow the U.S. is behind this as a distraction, uh, it would be nice if we had any evidence for that. Look, we demand evidence of the U.S. government, at least we should, in this 
case uh, that this chemical attack was actually done by Assad. We should demand the evidence the way we did not demand the evidence back in the Iraq war. But at the same time, we must demand the same evidence of ourselves if we are going to make uh, uh, remarkable claims uh, like you just did. And I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying call me back when you or someone else has the evidence for it. Got it. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate the call. Uh, let's see if we can fit in one more before Desi Doyen joins us with the uh, latest Green News report. Desi, you're on deck. Stand by. Uh, let me go to uh, Paul in Orange County. Paul, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, thank you, Brad. Hey, I'm enjoying your uh, point of view here. I just wanted to make the point that I'm, I'm feeling uh, personally threatened by the actions of our uh, government. Uh, just in the last, uh, well, for a decade or so now, I feel that we, our actions were just creating another generation of uh, terrorism against us. Uh, you know, just recently we've had, I believe it's been nine back-to-back uh, drone attacks in Yemen with no apparent action by uh, al-Qaeda of Yemen. Uh, here we're trying to uh, get involved in the Syrian conflict. Uh, gas is a horrible thing, but uh, you've, you've pointed out all the uh, other legal uh, ways to, to produce this. And the incompetence that's being shown by uh, the people in power, not just the administration, but uh, on both sides of the aisle, uh, is, is just incredible. Um, and when I say incompetence, they... Our people forced, they, they threw uh, Edward Snowden into the arms of the Russians. So now Putin knows everything about you and me just the way the uh, government and Google does. Well, maybe maybe he does, <laughs> maybe he doesn't. Uh, thanks, Paul. I do appreciate your call. Okay, one more really quick one before we go to Desi Doyen. Bob in Huntington Beach. Welcome to the broadcast, Bob. Oh, we lost Bob. Oh, well, I guess that means, you know what, if you're on the line, hang on. Maybe we'll get to you after the Green News report, but let's do some uh, Green News. You got the theme song for Desi Doyen? Kermit? Play it, Alex. It's there we go. Easy Desi green. will not come on. It is in her contract. She will not come it seems on. You blend in with so many other unless we play Kermit the Frog things. first. Singing. Yeah, well, you know. You don't, you don't buy that. <laughs> I'm right. not buying it. Uh, since we're running late, let's try to get right to the green news. Uh, you've been, by the way, you've been doing a lot of uh, Young Turks these days. Yes, yes. Uh, I've been lucky to come in and do some guest hosting. was on yesterday. We had a really long conversation about the troubles going on at Fukushima, which we'll talk about in today's Green News Report. And I'm on again tomorrow, so feel free to tune in online, and, YouTube. And Thursday, for those who are listening on yes, Delay Thursday, or on yes. uh, podcast, uh, what is it, youtube.com slash TYT Live. Uh, TYT Live, yes. I think. All right. If you want to see uh, that Desi has a great face for radio, tune in there and... <laughs> You'll see why we keep her behind the mic here normally. All right, uh, should we do some green news? Yes, please. Green news report. Kick it, Alex. We've drawn up a basic plan to achieve a fundamental solution to the problem of radioactive water. Japanese government takes over Fukushima as radiation levels spike. The Pacific Islands have experienced both historic droughts and the highest rates of sea level rise in the world. Pacific Island nations beg the UN to act on climate. Plus... Hitting the brakes. Americans are driving less than ever. All of that and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. My friends, the science is clear. It is irrefutable. And it is alarming. 
If we continue down our current path, the impacts of climate change will only get worse. Well, that tears it, Secretary of State John Kerry. Let's bomb global warming. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm convinced. John Kerry has convinced me. <laughs> well, you know, actually there is some analysis that shows that climate change causing drought is also part of the impetus behind the unrest in the Middle East. See, isn't that just like you? Everything comes back to global warming, doesn't it? Guess what? Everything does. All right. What else do you have for us today? Well, in Japan, the Japanese government announced Monday it will take charge of the situation at the crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant with new funding of nearly $500 million to contain recent leaks of radioactive wastewater and build new water decontamination systems. Does that mean that uh, they have not been in charge this whole time? That has been TEPCO, Tokyo Electric Power Company, that's been running the entire thing? That's right. They've been guiding and suggesting, but not running it. This comes after new revelations showing radiation levels near leaking wastewater storage tanks are actually 18 times higher than previously thought. Turns out gauges used by TEPCO, the plant owner, can only read measurements up to 100 millisieverts an hour. But new, more sensitive gauges go higher than 100 and show radiation levels near the leaky tanks are actually 1,800, enough to kill within five hours. Wait a minute. You're saying these gauges have been reading 100 for all of these years and that was because that's as high as the gauges go? That's right. They get new gauges, and it shows 18 times the amount of radiation that they thought and that they were reporting to the public this entire time. That's right. Amazing. The government's takeover, two years after the fact, is widely seen as an attempt to shore up Japan's bid to host the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. That is to be announced on Saturday. And conversely, can it be said this entire time that Japan has been downplaying the concerns because they were hoping to get the Olympics in 2020. The last thing they need to be talking about is a couple of unstable nuclear reactors. One could say that. Wow. Here in the U.S., something you don't want to hear if you live near a nuclear power plant. Wait, I'm leaving? All 107 nuclear reactors in the U.S. are vulnerable to terrorist attack, according to a new study. In fact, last month, one plant, the Beaver Valley Nuclear Power Plant in Pennsylvania, failed a crucial component of the federal safety drill that simulates a mock terrorist assault on the plant. Okay, I'm back. What did I miss? Oh, nothing. Oh, good. Without strong and immediate action... We can all expect new threats to critical infrastructure, regional stability, public health, economic vitality, and in some cases, even long-term viability of states. Wait, that was Secretary of State John Kerry. He was talking about Syria, right? No, he was not. He was talking to the Pacific Island Forum, 15 Pacific Islands states that are threatened by high sea levels. Does he just make the same speech for every crisis? Um, you could say that. The 15 nations of the Pacific Island Forum have issued the Majuro Declaration, a new resolution signed on Tuesday, to push the United Nations on the urgency of climate impacts that are already hurting their nations, and asking the UN to move swiftly to get a binding international agreement to reduce the carbon emissions that are causing global warming and the rising sea levels that have already swallowed up parts of the Marshall Islands and other low-lying countries. Wait, if global warming is a hoax, how has the ocean swallowed up these islands? Because global warming is not a hoax. Says you. 
Meanwhile, a new report blames federal funding cuts related to the sequester as partly to blame for the spread of the Yosemite Rim fire. Al Jazeera America reports that across-the-board budget cuts forced the U.S. Forest Service to abandon fire prevention projects in vulnerable areas because they weren't funded by Congress. At least eight of those projects are in areas that were destroyed by the Rim fire. But good news, it's now 75 percent contained. Finally, Americans are driving less. A new survey from the U.S. Public Interest Research Group found that since 2007, the number of vehicle miles driven in the U.S. has steadily gone down in nearly every state. But they're not sure why. They don't think it's the recession. They don't think it's urban density. It does seem to be driven, pun intended, by millennials, the young adults under the age of 30 who just happen to have much lower rates of driving. That's right. Us millennials drive a lot less. Yeah, who you saying, millennials? For much more on the millennials and all of the other stories we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download us anytime via iTunes or Stitcher or your TuneIn app, Millennials. Find us and like us on the Facebook and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Gary! Uh-huh. I get it. You get carry, it? John carry Carrie. on, John Peace Carrie. Peace when you'll be Woo, done. That was yeah. funny. All right. <laughs> uh, so the solution, by the way, at Fukushima, which we didn't get to in the report, uh, that Japan has, has now come up with is what? It's an ice wall. This is one of the um, very unusual uh, efforts they're going to throw at this problem in Fukushima. They're going to literally uh, uh, stick some pipes down into the soil around a mile, and they're going to put coolant in there, and they're going to make them uh, refrigerated, essentially, like you're like a refrigerator or an air conditioner. These uh, pipes are going to stay cold. It means it requires electricity. So, but uh, and if you and so that that's supposed to freeze the soil and freeze the water so that it doesn't. So go anywhere. But this is a problem because that area also has trouble with the uh, electricity getting to it sometimes. You know what they should do? If it melts, that's a problem. They, They should build a nuclear plant. Hey, there you go. And it's probably going Get to overtop the wall. From that. It'll probably overtop the wall eventually anyway because they really don't have a good solution for all of this radioactive water that they're generating trying to keep those reactors cool. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Keep an eye on it for us. Uh, let me see. I, I don't have enough time for it, but I'm going to go to Michael and give him 10 seconds. Hey, Michael, welcome to the broadcast. You got 10 seconds for me? Oh, Michael? Oh. Yeah. Hey, Michael, go. You got 10 seconds. It gave me 10 seconds. Oh, that's better than nothing. I'm you know, sorry. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just cut this short. Uh, you know, I love this country, but I'm very embarrassed and ashamed of our, our government leaders. Uh, you know, the special interests and uh, these corporations with their money. Uh, we've, we've lost track of, they lost track of serving the people. Uh, we become separated from our government. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Don't let that happen. Don't become separated. Throw them out. Raise hell. Do whatever you have to do. I appreciate the call. I appreciate all of the callers uh, today. My thanks to Desi Doy and our producer, to Alex Hernandez, our soundboard operator today, and uh, to our guest, David Swanson, and all of you callers. Stay tuned for John Wiener and the 4 O'Clock Report. Don Bustani will be in for uh, for John. He will have more on Syria, maybe even taking more of your calls. 
We'll be back, same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the Brad blog and, of course, at bradblog.com. Good night, America. Keep up the good fight.